Hello, disclaimers. Hello, can you do me a podcast disclaimer, please? When for? As soon as you can, it'll be good. OK, there's a bit of a wait at the moment, but I'll get it there as soon as I can. Excellent, thank you. Whereabouts are you? Oh, uh, there's two of us. We're at www.peggymountpod.com. OK, and where are you going? Vintage TV reviews. I mean, new reviews of old telly, with a bit of rambling and occasional guests. Is there swearing? A bit, yeah. What about drinking? Just a bit, yeah. And how much margin for error? Well, we don't mind a bit of diversion and misremembering, as long as we get where we're going. Do you want a musical one? Pardon? A musical disclaimer, like a parody of a song or an old advert. Oh, uh, not this time, thanks. There are a lot of admin. Just spoken word will do. OK, I'll put that in for you. I'll be with you soon. Brilliant. Thank you. Whizbit is a theme tune that I'd have playing whilst I was on the toilet. Then, yeah, we cut into Whizbit's house with him and Woolly talking to each other like patients in a head injury unit. I already yes. despise <laughs> this. <laughs> Bad bits eyebrows. Were they just like it was it the normal Wizbit with two upturned Merkins stuck on it? Exit! Stage left! Alright, hello and welcome to another episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to marvel in the magic that manifests itself to us via the medium of the telly a la vintage. Now and again, we'll turn off the electric fence and allow visitors across the drawbridge. And today is no exception, for we have with us Mr Ozzy Bognops. Gentlemen, what an introduction. Oh, what an honour it is for you to have me. Oh, the pleasure's all yours, and we, we're just delighted to have you here. It's been a while, sir. It's been it a while. It has been a while, but I have been on foreign shores, and now I am returned to my little hovel with a bowl of gruel and, yes, and you too. What's not to like? Exactly. Exactly. Yes, speaking of gruelling, hello to you, and thank you for tuning in to our casual cultural critique of vintage television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all roads are leading to the mountain. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the episodes we're discussing is in the show notes. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we haven't covered such and such yet. And before we flog off the last of our dignity on a cheap spin-off project, which isn't even centred around the thing we're actually famous for doing, gentlemen, I've got to ask, what are we drinking? Well, I'm still on the ale that is real. Lovely. And this week, I'm on Harvey's Bristols. It's a milk stout. You? <laughs> I've got a bottle of... Agglestone IPA by Hattie Brown's Brewery in Swanage, Dorset. I had a feeling it was another Dorset. It was. Um, has, the, has the case arrived yet? No, yes. No, nothing. Um, Aussie Bognops. Port. Beautiful. Textbook. Ah, nice to hear that word again. Absolutely. And this port is not from Dorset. It's my dear old friend, Scroggles Nailer, and it's very pourable, and it also... The rings on my desk are now quite extraordinary because it actually goes through like battery acid. Ken, I'm sorry. <laughs> OK, with that, on to the first of this evening's delights. And, oh boy, have we whisked up something for you, listener, in the guise of a small, odd-looking character with a grating voice that just pops up at the most inconvenient times but is neither use nor ornament to anyone. Oh, yes. He created the next programme. <laughs> 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 
The Wizbit was a live-action, light-hearted fantasy adventure and puzzle show created by Barry Murray and Paul Daniels, which aired on Children's BBC from 1986 to 88, over three series and 27 episodes. Daniels would also top a tail each episode with a to-camera introduction showcasing some of his signature sleight of hand. The show's eponymous character is a cone-shaped alien wizard, voiced by Daniels, who lives in Puzzleopolis with a six-foot rabbit called Wooly. I'm pretty certain they're just doing that to save on utility bills and stuff, you know. Um, he enjoys performing tricks and solving riddles with his friends and outfoxing his nemesis, Professor Doom, on any given occasion. We've watched the episode Bad Bit, originally aired on the 13th of January 1988, in which Doom has created an evil version of our hero and releases him into the city to watch the carnage ensue. Ah, uh, uh, this week. Ah, uh, uh, that week. Ah, uh, uh, this week. I'm on drugs. This Lord. theme tune, let me tell you, for all it's irritating, for all it was the 80s baby shark, mm. this is spot on brand, this. Until you get to verse two, when it starts becoming a bit weird with his magic word and so he tried. It's Oscar like... Bazuzalem. Pardon? Oscar Bazuzalem. That That's was you. the magic word. Oscar Bazuzalem. My oh my. You have this knowledge... <laughs> Let me tell you, I've talked about before, and uh, I do believe it was the theme tune to George and the Dragon that I said, that's the kind of theme tune I'd have, playing loudly as I walked to the toilet. <laughs> Whizbit is a theme tune that I'd have playing whilst I was on the toilet. Mm -hmm. To affect the <laughs> loosening of a digestive tract or just for to cover, to cover it up? Take your pick. <laughs> so I watched this first episode right back in the day. I saw this. Why did you see it, Doctor? Why did you see it? This is what I'm interested in. So my part of my telegeekery is that if there are if there's a new series that comes about, I have to see that first episode. Right. Just to see just to see what it's like. Uh, I knew it wouldn't really appeal. Now I was 15 when they said. Mm -hmm. So obviously it was well out of my uh, well out of my radar, but um. Mm. I don't remember what happened in it, but I do remember watching the first episode. Awful. See, this is the thing. I never really watched this properly. I was aware mm. of it because my little sister was watching it. Sure. But, you know, it felt like it was sort of too young for me, which it fucking wasn't, yeah. obviously, because I was a school child sat there watching CBBC. So I did, you know. <laughs> for me, I, I kind of watched this, but not uh, not with as much fervour. It was just because I liked Paul Daniels, but I thought I was a bit too old for it, same as you, uh, um, Blackout. However, it looked different. It didn't look like the traditional BBC Christopher Pilkington rep stuff. Um, yeah. And it was an independent production, which was what they were trying to get towards, so it wasn't just yes. all in-house or cartoons. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I like the idea of that, but it did appear to have been shot in a porter cabin. But you also hit on the point that it's Paul Daniels. We opened this show with like a two-minute segment where he's just like in his sort of mocked-up dressing room. He's doing this like disappearing coin trick. Yeah. And there's nothing postmodern or cynical about it. He doesn't explain how. There's no extra dimension. He just does it seamlessly on camera in a single take. Now, I think it loses something a bit because there's no audience. He hasn't pulled someone out of the audience to sort of do this too. It's just him in a room doing it to camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he holds it well. I'd say he's arguably a better children's entertainer than a straight magician. That's Absolutely. not an insult. Absolutely. It's just his energy's more suited to that. And he, he opens this really, really fucking well. And then the actual programme starts. Just before the programme starts, uh, 
the, the lovely Debbie McGee um, pops into the, the dressing room to speak to Paul, yeah. and yep. she's come dressed as Sue Ellen from Dallas. Wearing farting <laughs> plus fours. It's, I think, all right. she could wear when it wasn't the sparkly leotard. So, yeah, yeah they just keep absolutely. inflating. I thought it was like a sketch, you know. 15 yeah. seconds on camera, she's on the books, she gets the money, bang, that's a bit more of the mortgage paid off. Uh, and yes, and then the episode starts. God almighty. Mm-hmm. Yep. At this point, I died, listeners. <laughs> The main one of the main problems for me with this, which is really unfortunate, is uh, okay. So Daniels does the voices of Wisbit, yeah, and Wool- and Wooly the Rabbit. Now it's unfortunate that we're going to see a lot of these two characters because they're the two of the most grating voices. <laughs> this is the thing, Mike. I mean, before we even get to that point, we open in Professor Doom's castle, where he's scowling at a puppet cat. Oh, you mean the black stuffed pair of tights with eyes? That's yes. what I wondered. It was, and also it appeared to have been shot in a dark corner of this porter cabin, because that's all I could see was tights mm-hmm. and eyes. That was it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Professor Doom's lovely hair island. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically an actor just dying on a set for everyone to see. Aren't we all darlings? <laughs> Bad bit turns up, also voiced by Daniels, obviously. Um, then, yeah, we cut into Wisbit's house with him and Woolly talking to each other like patients in a head injury unit. I already yes. despise <laughs> this. <laughs> yes. Hi, Woolly. Look what I've got for you today. Oh, you've got a plate. Could you do a bit where you talk about the plate for two fucking minutes? Yeah, this is a willow pattern, Woolly. Get me out of here. It sounds now, like he's doing a bad impression of Michael Jackson for the entire episode. Yeah. Honestly. Yes. Two pointers come to this, uh, come to mind on this. You come home from school, and then all of a sudden the plot feels like a, a school lesson. I'm going to teach you about willow pattern plates. Now, we had willow pattern plates, and mm-hmm. my dad said, oh, they've got a story. And I expected what Wisbit said, and my dad said, I've got a job lot from the market. That was the story. Mint. <laughs> I would rather have heard that. I would think I would too. Also, to round this off, my hatred of these two characters, I mean, it's never good when you have hatred for the protagonist straight off the belt. The, the mouths don't move. Yep. The You've been reading my don't notes. Move. You've been reading uh-huh. my notes. Yep. Because me, me blood was boiling at this. Put <laughs> some effort in. Put some effort in. Matched with voices that make me want to hack me own eyes out with a potato peeler <laughs> as a penance for watching this in the first place. Nah. And also, no, 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 no. you know, Bad Bit's eyebrows, were they just like... it Was it the normal Wizbit with two upturned merkins stuck on it? I mean, what? Is that <laughs> yeah. what makes him bad? Apart from the appalling voice, which you've mentioned absolutely, before, Doctor. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the thing. Why does it keep moving? You've got trouble with Winnets. He just doesn't stop moving. <laughs> I get that the Noel Gallagher monobrow is a visual tip for the young audience to differentiate between Wizbit and Badbit, but is everyone in Puzzleopolis as thick as fuck to have not worked out what's going on here? They absolutely they are. It would appear so, yes. yeah. There are so many arseholes in this programme, it's like a televised proctology department. Hey. <laughs> However, oh, now you, you can't say that about Squidgy Bog, the huggy bear of Puzzleopolis. You have read my notes. I've got that here. <laughs> Those very words. And Vicky Licorice is the gatekeeper, of course. She is. God yes, bless yes. her. Um, uh, yes. Vicky Licorice. Well, she did anything to get out of Slinger's Day. That was the problem. She started making the show in the same year as Slinger's Day, and... You can hear the fucking nails being hammered into the coffin of her career between lines in the dialogue. <laughs> she was trying. 
Yes. But, but unfortunately, <laughs> the odds were against that with the shit that she was given to work with. Do you know what I mean? And then you know what I'll yeah. do? I think I'll go and see a grocer with green hair and an apron and oh. Adrian Headley for the first time out, He's back. outside He's of back. his outside of his cack stained dungarees I've playing got this. a mine. What a surprise. Either someone has peeled the dungarees off him while after knocking him out, or they just spray painted them white. Obviously, his character is based around mine because that shit is in his contract. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, why do, by the way, we talked about bad bit. Is he Marge Simpson? Did you not get that from his <laughs> yeah, voice? No, I see what you mean, yes. <laughs> it, but it was the question, what's the matter with your voice? Oh, I've got a frog. It's like, but hang on a minute. Don't you just look exactly like Wizbit <laughs> with, with two upturned fanny wings on your eyes? Bad bit is going around Puzzleopolis and he's been a right dick. Oh, yeah. But this has taken so long... Bear in mind, Wizbit is already a dick. See, he's having to be an extra dick just to differentiate yes. himself from that. Yes, I found myself just where, where people are turning their back on Wizbit because of the supposed bad things he's been doing. Uh, I literally was looking blank at the screen going, can someone please help? Yes. Please The whole of entertainment for children, I think, is what you mean. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Please help. Well, you know what does help at this point? The bog sings. At this point, I wanted to inject airplane glue into my veins. <laughs> I actually just wanted to get into a bath of it, and just, that's it, because what a fucking dreadful song, apparently accompanied by a Yamaha PSR 780. Now, don't get me wrong, there were two bits of incidental music in this episode that used to follow me round in the same way that we've all mentioned that across oh, all yeah, the yeah, series. Yeah. Um, but at this point, this song, what has it got to do with anything? One, and two... It's the wrong... You know, they're all trying to dance to it. I love the thought that there's been a production meeting where someone's gone, and obviously we've got to finish on a song. Someone's gone, why? Because we have an extra three minutes to fill. <laughs> right. That's it. I'm not, I'm not writing any more dialogue. Not after that. Who's going to sing it? The Swamp. Right? Oh. Fine. Mint. Yeah. So Bad Bit turns up at the same moment that the townsfolk are calling Wizbit out for being an arsehole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's an arsehole anyway, remember. Um, and then it turns out that Bad Bit who has been created solely to imitate Wizbit, is apparently unaware of who Wizbit is. So he, yeah. like, disappears yeah. in this haze of identity crisis when confronted with his other self. And that is it. That is how this programme ends. No one gets Indeed. punched in the mouth, even though everyone involved thoroughly deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they all went oh. home for tea, you wish, oh. you know. Yeah. yeah. And then we go back to uh, Paul in his dressing room. Indeed. He's not even apologising for the last 22 minutes. What a shithouse. Oh, he didn't yeah, even right. know what the fuck was going on. That's why. <laughs> He's locked in that room. James Earl Adair's next door making uh, folded animals. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see a telly in there. He hasn't seen the episode. He's fine. There is potential for this to be better. That's the real problem here. Oh, God, without a doubt. Yeah. That's, that's a tragedy. Yeah, I totally agree. With that in mind, gentlemen, how many pegs are we going to clip... To bad bits, I Merkins. Aussie Bognobs. Two. Ooh, and that's okay. being generous. That's two mm -hmm. for Daniels. Because okay. fuck knows what the rest was about. Two yep. Fair, 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 fair. Mr. Blackout? Well, with his uh, tapering conoidal form, Wizbit is the perfect shape for shoving so far up his own arsehole that he tears the space time continuum and becomes a self replicating Mobius hole. Now that is the magic. Two out of nine. 
Oh. Oh, well, I'm pleased I'm part of the gang then because I also should, I'm going to give this two out of nine. One for the theme tune because I don't mind it at all, however annoying it is. There's just right. something about it. And one for Daniel's business acumen. Um, I'm taking away the rest of the pegs because the fucking mouths don't move. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only reason. <laughs> it's one of the 57. But yeah. <laughs> okay. But the question on the lips of every deck of cards character in Puzzleopolis, if they had lips, is how many taps of the wand will it take you to vanish up the mountain, Blackout? Uh, I can do it in hap half four. Hap half this way, hap half that way, hap half this way, and then Wizbit was devised by Paul Daniels, who trod the boards in 1988's Royal Variety performance in the company of Roy Hood, who was in 1971's Up Pompeii next to... Michael Horden, who turned up in 1980's The Wildcats of St Trinians alongside Thorley Walters, who starred in the Burglars at Large episode of Winning Widows with Peggy Mount. Ten to one, she fell in. Very good. Very good. Sterling work. Very good. Thank you, thank you. Aussie Bognops, how about yourself? I can ha-ha that away in three. Now you're going to like this, going to like it. Wizbit was contrived by Paul Daniels, who took to the beige sofa in 1980 to chat about the tonight of Des O'Connor, who appeared in the self-titled show of one Harry Seacombe, which only one series earlier had opened the curtains for Peggy Mount. You'll never wear it again. Your purple period is over. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Nice. Good, good. Which only leaves Dr. Velvet. I can ha ha this away in two. Ha ha this away, ha ha that away, ha ha this away, ha ha Wizbit was plotted by Paul Daniels, who cropped up in a 2007 edition of Loose Women, who also featured Wendy Richard, who was in one of the celebrity squares in 1976 on the same show as. Peggy Mount, Wally. So it was you left that nasty mark round the bar. Brilliant, Brilliant, brilliant. Very efficient. Ah, speaking of saving time, I'm going to waste some by going over the next question of the competition. Okay, so you remember that you must be filling your answers in on the PDF sheet that you can get on PeggyMountPod.com. You know all that. You know the rules of this competition. Again, I feel like I'm on a loop, so listen to the rules. In episode one, here is your question. Wizbit's tights are striped. Two different colours. One white, and the other is described by Wizbit himself in this episode. Is it A. Slaghouse Pink, B. Shithouse Cerise, or C. Russell Grant Rouge? There we go. That's your question. Remember, remember, Blackout, you cannot enter. Aussie, you cannot enter either, I'm afraid. Because you are connected to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so there we go. Right, that wraps that bit up. The three of us are going to sit on some beanbags, eating sherbet dib-dabs while we look at the things. Action man! And his transport command. Realistic models specially designed for Action Man. They're all action. Just look for the Action Man Transport Command Badge. It tells you they're the real thing. 
you can send off for a free workshop accessories kit by collecting the stars with every pack. Action Man. Transport Command. Only from Palatoy. Bring out the unique, tangy, fruity flavour of Branston pickle much more often. Bring out the Branston! The band of the Black Watch now presents the Scotch on the Rocks LP. It's great value at £1.75. It's on the Spark Record label, it's in Big Sound Stereo, and it's in the shops now. Eviva Espana, Caribbean Honeymoon, Hootsmon, Highland Safari, Purple Heather, Sons of the Thistle, and many more. What's yours? Mine's Scotch on the Rocks, the LP by the band of the Black Watch. I do love the things. I really, really do love the things. I adore the things. Uh, Ozzy, what was the last thing you bought? The last thing. The last thing I bought, uh, and I was, you know, mindful because I wanted to buy Frank Thornton after his road safety advert, but it was out of stock on the site I looked at. So um, in the end, I just had to buy uh, a Jan Leeming tequila fountain luge. Beautiful. That is actually beautiful. Blackout, what about yourself? Uh, the last thing I bought was a Derek Beatty LP, where he's basically doing something... A bit of words, bit of music, and it finishes with him reading Wedding Vows, because basically I'm going on a stag do next month, and I intend to marry the bride and groom with this record before the day of their ceremony. Oh, be nice to each other. God bless. Yeah. You're going to put the, the groom in the soundproof booth first, though. That's the question. And then fill it with piss, yes. <laughs> you just see the level going up the glass. You won't need fucking headphones where you're going, pal. Sorry, anyway. How about yourself, Doctor? Uh, I've just bought a book, uh, a cookbook, written by Molly Weir, if you remember her from back in the day, from rent a oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 64 things to do with Angel Delight. So I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, doing a bit laugh. of experimentation. Good Lord. Is that the book that the Archbishop of Canterbury tried to get banned? Uh, no, it was the Bishop of Durham. Oh, right. Do any of them involve cooking? Three of them, I think. Okay, that's not bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad at all. Right, Ozzy, don't be alarmed. That is just the phone ringing, and what we do is we just ignore it. Okay, all right? I'll just have some more port. Just you do that. Just ignore it. Well, we know, well, we know it's not Ozzy phoning up because he's here. So. Well, ex exactly this. So what we're just going to do, as we've done for the last three weeks, we'll just let it play. Okay. Good evening there. Cleo Lane here. Here. I'm off the Pebble Mills and that. Listen. Scoot-a-bong. When are you two shites going to do a podcast program about the jazz? Scott up up a lot of bung. Maybe the Bidebeck Affair or an episode of Gallery or something. Lazy. Lazy. Nothing more than lazy. I've just got my Johnny primed every day by the phone, waiting for you to ring him up so he can inject a bit of creative spunk from his brass pipe into your shithouse excuse for a radio show. And does the phone ring? Does it fuck? Got cut off six months ago for not paying the bill. But we can still get incoming calls, mind. Just not from you bastards. Anyway, call me back. It's the phone box outside of Milton Keys Station, the second one. Nearest the pork shop. Call me, you pair of cr Yep, ignoring that again. Uh -huh. Right, let's move on. <laughs> On to the next show of the evening. And you know what? Tonight is a Daniel's double whammy. But this time, we swap conjuring for common sense. 
as we embark on a mysterious and perilous journey to find Odd One Out. Odd One Out. Odd One Out was the BBC One game show adapted from the American Knockout, devised by Mark Maxwell Swift in 1977. Presented by Paul Daniels, a panel of three contestants are sequentially presented with four simple options on the game board. They have to decide which is the odd one out and what links the other three as a consequence. We've watched an episode from its 1983 run, which went out at 7.30 on a Friday evening, in which there are some notably extravagant prizes up for grabs. Odd one out! It's the odd one out! <laughs> now, I had the game of this for the Amstrad CPC 464. No way. I think I played it once. I yep. remember I got it in a deal with the Bob's Full House game. So, which, ah. And Bob's Full House, I basically used to alternate with um, Super Robin Hood. It was one or the other. So there we go. Nice, so, nice. Odd one out. Didn't get that much of a look in, but, but I did have it, yeah. But you had two Mint. of the three mighty Friday evening game show canon in yeah, your software yeah. library. The other one, of course, being blankety blank. Oh, when you're playing the game, mm. uh, were, the, were the visuals on screen as catastrophic as the opening titles to this particular television programme? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> well, even the editor and the animator's going, can someone please help? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and some... nobody did, because look at this. It's like the kind of thing you'd use to induce a seizure in an experiment. Yeah, but I also can't help wondering if he had it in his contracts, like, mind, no moving. You get no moving in my in my credits. None of them. Because if you remember that at this time, the Paul Daniels magic show was still in its pomp, you know, and it did have the famous line, meet the man who excels, which, of course, everybody thought was exhales. Um, but that yep. was also the same. It was three playing cards of him in still poses that sort of... Right. that That move in sort of glacial fashion same with odd one mm-hmm. out i mean mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. it's redeemed by ronnie hazelhurst's fantastic signature tune agreed agreed the little bit at the beginning this i expect to hear that in star wars <laughs> i thought it was the evacuation of the death star they just borrowed <laughs> right, right do you know what i mean Daniels appears at the beginning of the programme. We're not off to a good start production-wise because whilst this was filmed in Television Centre, uh, the microphones are in Hong Kong. Oh, yep. mate. Yeah. That said... What do you mean, microphones? giving me a One. fucking panic attack. Yep. It's like the cityscape from Inception recreated with Tetris. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, dear God. And also, I mean, it's interesting, you know, we've discussed kings of the game show format around yeah. this era before and you know Monkhouse, Forsyth, Wogan um, they were the gods you know. Yes. Daniels mm-hmm. isn't that far behind them I think at least he's got a very quick mind to be able to react to things just not Agreed. on the humorous yeah. level of, of Monkhouse or on the charming level of Wogan or on the light entertainment uh, level of Forsyth but it's solid, it's really solid so Daniels goes through where uh, he goes through how the game is going to work, and he brings up like an example screen uh-huh. that he sort of like boom, 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 boom lays on like those are your four options. You will have to work out what the odd one out is. Well, his example is the words opponent, eggs, sex, carpet, and I'm thinking, well, there's not an odd one out there because that's pod producer Ken's to do list for going out on the pool. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
Dear Lord. You look in the credits at the end, and if I remember rightly, you see um, Dick Vosborough and the king of king of the one-liners wrote them for everybody. Right. And there's no doubt in my mind that uh, you know this was all contrived so he didn't have to say the last line. And that was the nice little sort of laughter, endearment, crossover to, right, and now we're going to play the game. Yeah. I thought, just yeah. beautiful, loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we then we meet our wonderful contestants. Oh, we do. We meet um, we meet Andy. Oh yeah, Andy's got a beautiful satin-esque shirt of blood red. Oh, I thought it was burgundy. Maybe my monitor's off a bit. He's wearing a red Teflon shirt, which makes him look like a baddie out of Blake Seven. Next to him. You got Joyce. Uh, you know, no, no, you, you haven't. Got Joyce Alin. Joyce, Joyce Alin. Yeah, again, she's got on this like sort of powder blue cowl neck top. She makes her look like a council member from a Doctor Who episode. But yeah, boom. Last week's returning champion is on the end there. He's a bruiser. Boom. Last week's returning champion, an Ooh. olive green ribbed security cardigan. He looks like Ricky Tomlinson auditioning yes. for Jeffrey Palmer's role in Fairly Secret Army. It's beautiful. <laughs> I wrote a chain-knit cardigan and a chain-knit beard. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we've got this... We, we're into the game. Straight... Boom, straight off. Um, yep. It's very simple, really. It's sort of like a forerunner to only connect. It's not too challenging to begin with, but it's not too dumbed down either. The fact that the contestants can buzz in early and then choose to challenge other contestants who haven't buzzed in, that gives it a nice edge. Yeah. Tension. Tension. We're back, we're back to family fortunes. Yeah, because like, Tension. Joyce, yeah. she's sitting there, hasn't got a clue. But Andy will buzz in and go, I want her to answer it. And then when I, she's yeah. like, fuck shit, I know. It's like, ha, 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 Andy gets the points. So you can basically yeah. win. And for, you, you can win for doing fuck all. He gets the points, but then, you know, there's a lot of... Daniel gives them a lot of leeway on the answers. We're not playing for big prizes here. So, Michael, well, this is true. last week's return and champion, he gets fucked off within eight minutes, as does yep. Joyce. Andy kicks shit out of him. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Belt him from corner to corner. And then Andy gets to play for a selection of prizes. Oh, have we got them listed? I have. Has the group got them listed? All I'm telling you now, all I'm telling you now is I would have the brass wine rack... And I'd be straight out that door. Now, <laughs> yeah. I like I like the structure of this bit in the bonus round. You've got three mm-hmm. tiers of prizes. If you answer the question, boom, first time correct, you get the first prize. Yep. If it takes you two goes, you get the second prize. It takes you three goes. So your first your first prize here is a, a brass wine rack. I don't know why they have to stipulate what it's made of, but okay. And I quote, filled with French wines. It's 1983, yep. it's going to be piss, but, you know, it's better than yeah. no wine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Prize number two, a set of gardening tools. These appear to be made out of fucking plastic and tinfoil, but okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> the two. That looks like a Fisher-Price kit. Yes, it, it does. really does. Absolutely. Prize number three, a waffle maker. So all you've got to do for this round is name... It, it's not really odd one out this round. you just got to name what links the items as they mm. come up. Yeah. So mm. your first one drops... Our mutual friend. Andy's sitting there, not a fucking clue. To which Daniels laughs at him. Yes. Yes. We'll, we'll get to that, but yeah. Um, second answer drops, Betsy Trotwood. Now, at this point, I don't... I can't... It's not my specialist area. I can't say if that's better or worse than our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. But I would have guessed at the first one, and I'm definitely on the, on the fucking right page by the second one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know. 
No. Boom. Third one. And the, the audience are laughing now. Third yeah. one drops. Great expectations. The, the third one might as well just be the words Charles Dickens, frankly. Exactly. Yes. Now, I, alongside... I dropped English lit in disgust, and even I fucking knew the first one. <laughs> um, Jesus H. But alongside that, our mutual friend, and he says insurance, do, does the team think that's reminiscent of volume and blankety-blank? <laughs> it's got to yeah. be. It's got to be. It's, yes. it's in that gang. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He's in the... Um, again, he's in the BBC bar. Afterwards, everyone's kind of mulling around, da-da-da-da-da. And whenever Andy says anything, they turn around and go, what is that insurance, is it? <laughs> Jesus, Hedge. So anyway, he yeah. does he does get it right at the third one. Fair and play he, to him. And he gets a waffle maker. And he gets a waffle yeah, maker, yeah. which basically gets handcuffed to his wrist and he's got to walk around with it for the next fortnight yes. to show everyone what he's won. Yes. So that round's over. We've got a new round. Yeah, we got new contestants. Oh, God, have we ever. Andy's, Andy's off. He's coming back for the final in a bit. His place yep. is secure with his waffle maker. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Michael. This is a different Michael. This is Michael Kindred. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's, he, he creates puzzles apparently, so he should yeah. be fucking superb at this, shouldn't he? He has a wardrobe full of custard shirts, custard plaid ties, and a warm mm. zip-up cardi. It's, yep. Oh, it's this yep. beautiful custard yellow shirt, and this butterscotch tartan tie, which is threatening mm. to open a fucking wormhole in the studio. <laughs> but there's something glorious. I wanted to draw your attention to, gentlemen. There's a heavy. Um, reliance on cardigans and jumpers and warm-looking tops, and even Daniels is in a three-piece suit. Is this yep. pi- is this show being recorded in a fucking fridge? It's it's basically yes, just like a a tin shed in North Shields in January. <laughs> it would explain the acoustics. Yes, <laughs> don't you talk about my home like that? Do you know what I mean? So yes, and Michael's bringing the personality of this. Um, he is. Daniels, we'll get on it in a bit, to how Daniels reacts to that. If he's not pleased, he's not taking it out on Michael. But we'll get to that contestant in a minute. Next to Michael, we've got Judith. Now, Judith says she's 20, but she appears to come dressed as a 45-year-old secretary from an ITV sitcom. Good Lord, there is no way on God's clean earth that she's 20 years old. No, no. 20 what? 20 years out when notifying the production team of your real age. (laughs) But bear in mind, this pales into insignificance compared to... The woollen adornment of the next contestant, Paul. He's he's wearing this grey, capital grey sweater and tie combination set, which are threatening uh-huh. to drain the colour from the rest of television centre. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, true. Now, gentlemen, I'm quite confused here because there's mention of radio operator and there's mention yes. of taxi driver. What yes. the fuck is he? He's the guy on the on the radio who goes, Cab 49, can you go to Pigby Street? So at the end of that round, right... Paul's got two points. Mm-hmm. Judith's got three. Michael's got checks notes. Thirty-seven. Yeah, quite. Yeah. Paul and Michael sitting in a tree. C H E A T I N G T W A T S. Fucking hell! <laughs> Good lord, yes. Michael's through to the bonus rounds. Um, the prizes here are something to behold. It's same oh gameplay as before. Buzz it earlier you buzz in, the better your prizes are. I want the right in case. Prize number one, his and hers pure silk dressing gowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Okay. I thought okay. it was the chairs. That was the point. I thought it was the chairs. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. Prize number two is a briefcase. Now he calls it a writing case here, as you've noted. Yeah. It's a fucking briefcase, mate. It's not. Yeah. It's got it's it's not It's got a shelf. It's got a shelf and it's also got 
cupboards underneath uh, the flap, if you like, right, which right. is a lovely village in Wiltshire. Cupboards underneath the flap, <laughs> lovely place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prize number three, a hammock. I mean, bring it. I mean, bring it. Two, two of these prizes can fit inside the other one. Two of them can <laughs> yes. fit in a fucking carrier bag. <laughs> but never mind, Michael's Michael's got all of these to win. He has. Yeah. Uh, how is possibly. It, how is he going to do? How is he going to do on this? I know. Well, he's shown great form so far, so I he think has. he's in with a good chance. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that going in as well. Yeah. And then... Fuck me. Yeah, quite. <laughs> so clue number one, <laughs> Graceland. At this point, every other fucking human in the studio, other than Michael, knows what this is. Yep. Yep. There are people in the next fucking postcode already guessing what it fucking is. There are people in the next generation, yeah. There are people on fucking Mars who know this. Yeah. He doesn't get it. Clue number two, GI Blues. At this point, Paul Daniels is basically fucking coming on in a white jumpsuit with a quiff wig and swinging his fucking arm, and Uh, Michael is still not getting it. Priscilla Presley is operating camera one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Screaming, I'm married to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Michael doesn't know. Clue number three. Colonel Parker. Fuck me, he may as well have been Colonel fucking Sanders. He's thick as fuck. He doesn't get it. Yeah. Michael it fucking has no idea who Elvis is. Yeah. 37 point Michael, ladies and gentlemen. The thick fuck. Indeed. <laughs> uh, not a 37 point Michael. The thick fuck who has clearly never seen daylight. I bet he was fucking great on screen test. However. He devises puzzles. He also lives in a fucking cave. Yes. <laughs> And also, I mean, oh. you know, Elvis, all right. Some people can be forgiven for not knowing Elvis. But what I find extraordinary is, all right, Graceland, that could have been Paul Simon, but not on this show. What gets me is at the end of it, he says, well, apologies to him if he's watching. Hang the fuck on. Hang Brilliant the moment. shimmering fuck on. Brilliant moment, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to the final now. Oh, and yeah. it's Andy from earlier versus Michael head to head. Well, everything's to fucking play for now because, as we've just seen, this isn't clear cut. We have yeah. no fucking idea who's going to be doing what. Absolutely. There's about 28 rounds in this show, by the there way, is. I've just noticed. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Now, we get to know what the consolation prize is first. That's a backgammon set. Yep. That's fine. That's the kind of thing I would expect to see coming up on it's this. Right. You know, just as a kind of a throwaway, boom, there you yeah. go. A couple of dressing gowns and a backgammon set. Standard BBC 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. prize. Oh, backgammon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nuneaton, the centre of backgammon in the United Kingdom. All the high rollers from Dubai, from Monaco, they all end up in fucking Nuneaton playing. Oh the- God! If he's not got the set out, I'm not coming. I'm not bringing me writing set. Fuck that. Uh, they're all there in their silk dressing gowns. Yes, indeed. The the main prize here is a microwave oven. Now it's very Brilliant. easy. It's very easy for us to sit here and be like, fucking hell. You have to bear in mind that the catalogue price for a microwave in 1983 was anywhere... 350 quid. Anywhere between 200 and 450. I've mm-hmm. dug up. Yeah. In yep. today's money, brackets, bankofengland.co.uk forward slash monetary dash policy forward slash inflation forward slash inflation dash calculator close brackets. In today's money, that's between 550 and 1235 quid. This was not yeah, a yeah. cheap price. No, <clears throat> no, no. Considering that today you can buy one in Argos for less than 50 quid. It's, you know, there was... It's very early days from the microwave. And both of them would probably last for about the same amount of time before blowing the fuck up. There we go. There we go. We'll talk about this at a later date, but I, if I was a contestant there and that was a star prize, I would be shitting myself in case that was a transformer. 
Just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> <laughs> so, very variable round here. We've got pictures, we've got music. It's not yeah. just words on the screen anymore. The, the budget's gone here. Four pieces of music. Which one's the odd one out? Then back onto words. Yeah. Then it's pictures again, then words, music, words, pictures. This round is 45 minutes long. You're going to make yeah, them yeah. work for that backgammon set. Yep. But we do see Daniels actually in a, you know, all of a sudden he's stepped up the level of interaction, monkhouse-like, after questions. Right. So it's like colloquialisms, and he says, we've got slang written down. Now, I like that. That made me chuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, the music mm-hmm. round made me do what I probably would have done then, which is shout at the telly. Um, mm-hmm. And then yes. the greatest quote of all, which is, this isn't for the actual thickos, this show. Wow. I mean, <laughs> all right. I would, would guess that by the prizes, Paul, but that way, step it up a bit. Anyway, we move on to the final round. And who wins, of course? Andy. Yeah, absolutely. he's absolutely fucking thrashed, smart-ass Michael. He is. And what's best is, there was nothing that Daniels could do to help him. Daniels was on a promise there. He can see that slipping away from him. There's nothing he can do about it, because the pace is too fast. Boom. There you you go. Andy's through now. Curtains. That's it. And Andy gets a chance to win, have a pop-up win in the star prize, a video cassette recorder. Now, have have we all done our research on this? Yes. (laughs) Now, again, catalogue price for these. In 1983, uh, you're looking at Anywhere between 430 quid for an Amstrad video to 550 quid for a Sharp. That's in 1983 money. That's the present day equivalent of at least 1,500 quid. quid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, by the looks of the machine they've got in their prize reel there, you're going to need a fucking lorry to take it home in. Aye. Yes. And knock the front of the house off to take it in. (laughs) Or build an extension. Aye. That's it. Yep. Yes. In fact, the VCR was the extension. You would crawl into the cassette slot yeah. at the front, and the actors would actually be inside it. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> it's fucking huge, yeah? So, yeah, anyway, let's not bury the lead. Andy wins this. Yeah. And he gets to come back on next week's show, same as Army Michael did earlier. Indeed. The show wrap-up yeah, yeah. takes approximately two seconds, because yeah. Daniels is fucking livid that Michael didn't win. Uh, correct. Mm-hmm. Wraps up the show. They all come on during the, the closing titles and sync tune. Fucking lifting with anger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hot yeah. anger round the, the, the odd one outboard. Hot anger. The floor manager and runners have had to clear the studio of all bottles yep. and glassware <laughs> immediately. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, that was it. Yep. Odd one out. Indeed. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this? Mr Bognops, how many pegs are you going to place to support the hammock that you've just won. I am going to give this a f- seasonal seven out of nine. I'm going to give it two for the signature tune, <laughs> fair, two fair. for the game, and three for the Daniels. Nice. Simple as that. Nice. Seven out of nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I do yeah, like that good. all of your individual scores are still way less, way lower than five, but yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, okay, Mr Blackout. Um, Odd One Out is a textbook 1980s game show. It feels like daytime TV, even though this was prime time. I think Daniels is a functional host, but he must have enough energy to see him through. What it lacks in polish, the show makes up for in person. It's not the best in its genre, but it's certainly a far cry from the worst. Six out of nine. Okay. Fair. Fair, reasonable. A new doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm on a similar level. I'm seven out of nine, just like you, Bognops. I mm. like the concept. It's simple, so legend has it. It should be successful. The execution just needs some dynamism. It's like they're recording the show in a rented warehouse and they've been told by the neighbouring building that they've got no problem with them filming in there but just keep the fucking noise and excitement levels down <laughs> to that of a wig. <laughs> so apart from that, cracking gameplay. Brilliant. In fact, bring it back. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd watch that all over again. Yeah, me too. Who would you get to present it, though? Debbie McGee. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, I would get uh, Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Fair. I think she'd be fucking blinding on this. Me? Tarbuck. Fucking no question. But the real question, the one that people mm-hmm. are opening their writing briefcases to, to mm-hmm. pen us <laughs> florid letters of query about, is how mm-hmm. many steps would it take you, Dr Velvet, to mm-hmm. yodel up the mountain? Well... Odd one out, three words, three steps. Odd one out was presented by Paul Daniels, ho-ho, who was on the Animals episode of Brass Eye, as was Nicholas Parsons, who also showed his face in a 1986 offering of Roland Rat the Series, yay, alongside Anna Karen, who glittered in 1972's all-Star Comedy Carnival. Next to... Ho-ho! Peggy Mount! That's magic! City! <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Nicely done. Mr Blackout, yourself? I can do it in two. Odd One Out was admitted by Paul Daniels, who featured in a 2012 edition of Pointless Celebrities next to... Cannon and Ball, of course, whose second series had as its star guest Peggy Mount. Now tell them what else you've done. Fantastic. We're bristling in that here. Yeah, in that hat that you still can't uh, you still can't forget, can you, Blackout? That's right. (laughs) And I can see a line forming here. Aussie Mm. Bognops, how many steps would it take you to join us? The only number in the title of the show, one. Nice! Odd One Out was confessed to by Paul Daniels, who starred in a 1979 edition of Blankety Blank alongside... Peggy Mount. Can't you do better than that? Yes! There you are. There you are. Beautiful. All right. From a lot of questions on a little game show to one question on a podcast. Here is your next question. Remember to get your answer seats ready. Here we go. Contestant Michael is revealed to be an inventor. What does he confess to be his most successful invention to date? Is it A, an egg boiling rack? B, self-removing tights? Or C, a card game based on the BBC soap opera Triangle? That's your question. That's your question. Remember, chaps, you cannot, cannot enter. Oh. All right. Yeah, sorry, sorry. There it is. And there we have it. Right. I'm going to prepare our lounge area for the three of us to play Noodle Doodle card games involving tequila and KP Skips. Yes. Meanwhile, Blackout's got your socials. 
Yes, thanks once again for hanging out here. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyMountPod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Five-star ratings are always welcome on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com to check out the show notes for this and for all of our other episodes. It's as simple as that. It really is. Aussie Bognops, thank you amazingly, as always. An utter pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you both for inviting me. You're very welcome. Might we see you later in the series if you've got time? I'm hoping for it, for sure. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely, we will. Listener, thanks again for listening. Stay tuned. Same kind of stuff next week. We'll see you then. Until then... Keep pegging! Yes, Paul! Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Peggy Mount Calamity Hour.